This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. What a time, what a country, right? What a time to be a Jayhawk. KU wins two in a row after the three-game losing streak. They get an impressive win against Kentucky in Lexington, and then they get the revenge against Kansas State on Tuesday. This is the Wave in the Weed podcast, and if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you're listening. I would greatly appreciate it. We've got a great guest coming on today, CJ Moore. I will say this. It, it feels like as the calendar has turned over to February, the intensity ramps up a little bit. It feels like you're coming down the home stretch, which I guess in the grand scheme of things you are, you're only one month away from March, and we all know what that means. But I was talking to a friend, Derek Johnson. He's the host of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You should absolutely check it out. We were talking earlier this week about all of the occasions in which the Big 12 was decided in the last week or two weeks of the season. Now, over the last 15 years, oftentimes that means KU ends up winning it. I think it was 2010 or 2011 when Texas had a lead in the Big 12. I think it was a two-game lead. They lost three of their last four games, and Kansas ends up winning the title. 2018, the year Kansas went to the Final Four with Devontae Graham and Svee. Texas Tech had a lead. They lose four of their last five games. I think it was actually four in a row. And Kansas wins that conference, I believe, by two games. It just goes to show that no matter how pivotal you think any of these individual matchups are, you've got to win on Tuesday you got to win on Saturday if you want a shot at the Big 12. I have heard that so many times, more than I can count over the last decade or however long I've been covering Kansas on a daily basis, and it's never true. These games are important. They can put pressure. They can widen or narrow your margin for error down the stretch. None of these games, though, are must-win games. None of these games, just because it's against a fellow top 25 team or another top 15 team are deciding who wins the Big 12. When the pressure ramps up with a week or two to go, oftentimes that's when teams start making mistakes or teams that are used to the pressure or want the pressure, i.e. Kansas, can sort of assert their dominance in the conference. The Big 12 is very tough this year, and I'm not saying that you have two or three more losses, but I do think five losses probably gets you a share. Six may even get you a share this year. The Big 12 is really good at top. There is no division in this conference, especially amongst the top five or six teams. So take a deep breath. Enjoy it. There may be bumps along the road, but I still think Kansas is in a perfect position to get at least a share of the conference title yet again in 2023. C.J. Moore, one of my favorite writers, one of my favorite guys to talk to. He's been covering Kansas for a long time. He has written books about Kansas basketball. Now he writes for The Athletic. He alone is worth that price of the subscription. I love talking to CJ. He loves hoops. I don't know anybody who just simply 
loves basketball, just loves talking and writing and watching hoops more than CJ does. And it's always a pleasure when he gives me some of his time, which we do a couple times throughout the year. We talked to him back at the beginning of the season, I think right as we were getting underway with college basketball season. So it was only natural that I'd want to talk to him now. We are in the heat of Big 12 play to get his thoughts on this Kansas team after winning two games against Kentucky and Kansas State. So without any further ado, here is my conversation with the great C.J. Moore. All right, so Kansas has sort of been a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde team lately. They go on the three-game losing streak. They get a big win on the road versus Kentucky, and then they sort of control the game throughout versus K-State. So two impressive wins after a really shaky week-and-a-half, two-week stretch there. When KU's at their best, right, when you've seen them look their best, rack up impressive wins, what is it about them that impresses you the most? What are they doing when they're playing to their potential? Uh, I think they're playing really fast. I think everybody's involved. Um, When they get easy to guard, it's when it's only Brady Dick and Jalen Wilson who can make a basket. And I think the key to their team, and I kind of wrote this last night, is like it's the others. And it's, um, you know, like when they're really good, a Dewan Harris, KJ Adams middle pick and roll is really good. And when that's working, it makes it so the guys on the perimeter are going to have better looks. And when they're making those shots at a decent rate, then they're really hard to guard. Um, but, you know, Kevin, I think Kevin McCuller and probably Dewan Harris are kind of the keys to this, this team, because, you know, Grady's gonna, even if Grady's not making shots, he's such a good shooter. The teams are going to respect him and get out to him and, 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 and try to take shots away. So like just being on the floor, he has an impact. Jalen Wilson, he's playing out of his mind. Um, he's a really, really good scorer. Like K-State tried to take him away last night. He still gets 22, right? So, like, you got to the point where you expect most nights Jalen Wilson's probably going to find a way to score some points. Um, but it's, you know, when teams don't guard Dewan and he doesn't really do anything about it, um, and Dewan Harris and K.J. Adams' success are kind of tied to each other, Um so I think Dewan and then Kevin, um, who does all the little stuff, but if he's not making shots at all or some kind of a threat, I think it lowers what their ceiling can be. Like he's still useful to have him out there um, because he's a really, really good defender. He's a really good rebounder. Um, he seems to just you know, do all the intangible stuff, but um, he needs to at least be a threat. And, and Bill Seth said that last night, like it's, Pretty simple. If if we've got five guys you got a guard, then we're a lot better team. And you wrote about that in your piece, and it was really kind of focused around Dewan. And more than Dewan being effective, it seemed like it was more about Dewan just being willing to shoot. Mm-hmm. But that seems like too easy of a fix, CJ. It seems too easy to just say if he will be more eager and willing to shoot, then it opens up so many things. Like I feel like that's not that hard to ingrain in a guy, right? To just shoot. So where, what am I missing there? I mean, so there are some teams that are actually going to guard him, right? And he doesn't need to necessarily shoot in those games. Um, 
but he just, you know, he needs to take the wide open ones. And there are times where he, he's kind of hesitant to do that. Um, he also needs to be able to, I mean, I used the three point stack cause it was easy. Um, and the, the numbers just kind of conveniently lined up, you know, but usually when he's taking those shots, he's also aggressive inside the arc. He's also, you know, trying to get to the basket and, um, I thought I think one thing he's lost a little bit that he had going at his best last year is that floater game and finishing around the basket and and when he was kind of struggling um during that losing streak he wasn't making those shots or really taking a lot of those shots so I think he's got to be at least a willing scorer because like I said KJ's success is tied to him and if you don't have to worry about him at all when the ball screen is being set, if you can just like the first game, K State just kind of locked on to KJ. When he when Dwan set a ball screen, K State was not leaving KJ, and they took that away. And Dwan didn't make him pay at all. He's got to be able to make them a, a team, you know, using some kind of defense like that. Where like, okay, we're just going to stay with the roller, and we're not going to worry about you. He's got to make them pay. KJ's scent has been uh, surprising, to say the least. I mean, we talked before the season about sort of the big man rotation, how it was going to shake out. I'm not sure anybody really mm. predicted him to have the season that he's had. What is it about what you've seen from him, his growth from his freshman to sophomore year that has allowed him to sort of take that role by the horns to the point now we're halfway through Big 12 play and there's not even a discussion to be had about him relinquishing his role on this team? Yeah, I, I think um, you know he's a he's a terrific athlete, and he can get out of a role so quickly and get to the basket real quick. Like um, you know, if he has a step on a center, like he's going to blow past him because he's just faster than than centers. And I think where he's really elevated himself here the last m- month plus, or you know, whatever the stretch has been, <laughs> it's been going on for a while. Um, he's gotten to the point where his confidence is he can hit like a eight, 10 footer hook, you know, shot on the move over an, another player. Like he, he wasn't doing that. He wasn't scoring over people last season or early this year. So his confidence is, is, has jumped to another level. And then he's also really good on the short roll and making passes out of that. And, um, you know, like it's, it's hard to guard where if he short rolls, and um, you know they've got the the tag guy down there, and 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 the help is is trying to decide what you know, what do we do, who do we help off of. Um, he's really good at, at finding those guys and making those passes. That that's really 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 hard to guard. And uh, so he just he just makes Ku a lot better than that. Like a lot of big guys can roll to the basket, um, but not many of them can catch it and then make a play from there for somebody else. Um, and then defensively, he's been solid. Um, you know, I think he was, while his rebounding numbers aren't great, um, like the, the game against Kentucky, I thought, you know, he was good, did a good job of boxing Oscar out and letting other people go get it. I do know, I think Bill Self wants to see his numbers, rebounding numbers go up. Um, but I think, you know, like the most promising thing about last night's game for Kansas, I, I almost wrote about this was, um, the fact that. Ernest Uday is coming on and starting to play better. And uh, Zach Clements, I thought, even gave him good minutes last night. Like, there wasn't a a huge drop-off when KJ went off the floor. And that's different than, like, a month ago. When he went off the floor a month ago, there was a giant drop-off. So now in certain games where 
um, he's in foul trouble or maybe there's a big guy that Ernest just work, matches up better with. I think KU might be getting the point in, in, here in the next month or so where if Ernest Uday has got to play 15 minutes in a game, he can. I and think, that, 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 yeah. that's big for them. Well, and because I was just going to ask you about him. I think KU fans have been spoiled with guys like you know Cole and Withy and Embiid and Yudoka, where you have this elite shot blocker. And so you sort of every year is like, well, the buzzword is now rim protection. Who's going to be the rim protector? And that can mean a variety mm-hmm. of things. And for this team, I don't think it needs to be a guy who's averaging two and a half blocks per game like you've had in the past. And we saw that with, I think it was three blocks from Ernest against Kansas State. So whenever you have Zach or Ernest in there spelling KJ, knowing what he does well and knowing what this team needs, there seems to be this kind of weird line where we keep waiting for there to be more production off the bench. Going back to your first answer about needing to have more than just two guys on the floor who are a threat to score. But yet that that role, that position specifically lends itself to we need you to come in and be able to defend bigger guys if they're going big or if they're attacking KJ or he gets in foul trouble because there are limitations with what KJ can do defensively. So where is that sort of line with what Zach or Ernest or even, you know, if if Zuby gets healthy later in the season, what's the line of what those coaches want to see from them when they're in the game? Rebound, defend, and dunk. It's pretty simple. Like finish dunks, rebound, and defend. yeah, I was just looking, you, you mentioned the rim protection thing, and you can't look at per game numbers because he plays so little. Um, but his block rate is like 9.4, I think I just looked up. Is that right? Who, who are we um, talking yeah, about, Ernest? Ernest, Ernest 9.4 is his block rate. If he played enough minutes to register um, on like the leaderboard, he would rank 22nd in the country. So he's a pretty good shot blocker. Um, probably helped that he just got three blocks last night. I bet that block rate went up a little bit, but, um, yeah, he's, he's, I, I think, you know, I'm sure if he sticks around, he's, he's going to be a, a, a really good player and, um, he's a, he's a good athlete. So can I cut you I, off real I, quick? I think he's going to help him. Oh, yeah. okay. okay. So he had three against Kansas state. He had four against Duke. Mm-hmm. And we, I remember before the Duke game, that was the big question was look at all the size that Duke has down low. Like, what are you going to do against them? And we know Kansas obviously Mm -hmm. won that game. K-State's a completely different team. They don't have that sort of size. But when you think of that prototypical five, even though he's super raw, Ernest is kind of that guy where if you just saw him in the layup line, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that's going to be the starting center for Kansas this year. Yeah, I mean, I wrote on opening night, I thought he should be, so... (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, uh, I mean, I, I think... He, I think the, if Sels made a mistake, it was, and maybe not, maybe, you know, he's been doing this in practice and he got through to him in the right ways. And maybe Ernest wasn't doing the things he wanted him to, and he made his point and now he is. Um, but I thought, you know, should have been grooming him, getting him ready to play a little bit more minutes in the non-conference for the conference season. And for whatever reason, he kind of, I don't know, was in the doghouse, not really playing for a while, but um, you're seeing now like what, what kind of, the, the impact he can have as an energy big guy off the bench. And uh, it's, it's wild. I, I put this stat out today. Like they don't need to throw the ball to him in the post. This, this offense is where they can palm there. Like 18, 19th in the country in adjusted offensive efficiency. And um, I think the, the, the stat I had was in post-up frequency, they're like 327th 
a Bill self team is 327th in post up frequency, and you know, they don't throw the ball in there like at all. And they're still really, really good offense. Um, they don't need that this year. Like they they can do other things. Well, that's why the Dewan Harris KJ Adams pick and roll is so important. Yeah, it's so funny because going back to last year. I know near the end of the season, that was sort of a question was, can this team be more efficient? And they were better last year than they were this year at scoring inside. Is that is that sort of the next benchmark that they need to clear to maybe get to being, from being one of those, hey, we're a top 10 team, we're maybe a, a piece away or one aspect away from getting into, you know, being one of the elite teams? Is that is it just improving your offensive efficiency and your ability to to get shots inside? Because that seems to be the one thing that just, hasn't quite happened for this team yet this year. Uh I mean I just think it's it's just it's just making shots. Like when they make shots, it's as simple as that. Like it's just making shots. Like um I think they usually run pretty good stuff. Um they just they just got to make shots. Like you know, you can't have Kevin McCuller going on a run of 1 of 12 from 3. Yeah. Um you know, they just... They but that's going to keep happening, though, right? That, because, like, but that's why I asked about scoring inside, because when two of your guards, and we got four years on Kevin now, three and a half years on Kevin, <clears throat> we got three years on Dewan. those guys are great basketball players, high IQ, maybe the best defensive backcourt in the country or one of them, but neither one of them have shown you that they're going to be consistent scorers. So doesn't that then put more of the onus on the big guys or the wings to get downhill and score at the rim, knowing that this is probably never going to be a great shooting team. Yeah, but it's really hard to get downhill and get to the rim. If teams are just packing the paint. So you just have to at least be respectable and like Kevin's got to be a, a, a threat, you know? Um, so, I, you know, it's, 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 yeah, you have a point in that like they are who they are. Um, but they at least have to be guys that defenses respect enough to not just ignore them. Jalen, you mentioned his scoring output over the last five games, which has just been ridiculous. And mm-hmm. I think we talked before the season. And you may have been gassing him up to the point where I sort of squinted my eyes a little bit and was like, all right, CJ, like he's not going to have that kind of a season. And I don't know, I don't remember exactly what you said he was going to do, but we fall in love with efficiency a lot. And he's not the most efficient player that Bill Self's had. He's certainly not on the same level that we saw just like a year ago with Ochai. But the workload that he's taken on this year, and his ability to game in, game out, just find a way to make his impact felt has been pretty impressive, like almost remarkable this season. What mm-hmm. When you look at the most like impressive seasons, individual seasons under Bill Self, like where do you kind of think off the top of your head Jalen falls? Ma'am. Um, it's probably up there. I mean, I want to see how, what the finish looks like, you know, but, um, you know, if we're going through the lists and, um, let me just, cause off the top of my head, the let guys, me, let me think, you know, Wayne, Wayne Simeon's really, really high. Yeah. Um, Sharon Collins, his soft or no, a sophomore, his junior. junior season was, was, is really high. Um, Marcus Morris, uh, junior season really high. Thomas Robinson junior season. Um, then you go to probably like uh, Frank and Devante senior seasons are up there. 
um, Udoka's senior season, um, Ochai's senior or yeah, was it junior? No, senior or senior, senior, yeah, senior season. Sorry, my brain's not working. And then yeah, that he's in that group right there. That's what? a pretty good group. Am I missing anybody? No, I don't think there's any. I mean, there's guys you could throw out there, but I think that's probably the the core. That's the group. group. Yeah. But I even within that group, I would I would like there's a dividing line where like Marcus Morris and Ochai, like those guys, super efficient, right? Like they're, mm-hmm. they're just really. Then you have guys like Sharon, where the the or t- Thomas Robinson efficiency numbers aren't as great, but they were somewhat like this team yeah. asked to yeah. do. No, so I think much. I think he's in that group with them. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good point. Like needed to do so much that it's harder to be efficient. Um, and that's not necessarily, I don't know that he'll like, even in the, on the perfect team, I don't know that he'd be a super, super efficient guy, but, um, he's, he's been pretty good lately. Like if you look at his last during this five game stretch, um, here, are his offensive rating numbers, 119, 115, 142, 117 94 so really last night was the only quote unquote bad one and that's just because he had five turnovers and they were just kind of weird turnovers too Mm -hmm. so if you take away if you make if you put that down to like one turnover he was uh you know he scored 20 points on 15 shots it's not bad yeah um so anyway well i mean if uh, if i would have i would not have considered before the season that uh he like (laughs) Jalen Wilson's going to be in the rafters, but he's having a rafters season. You got the national championship, and yeah. you're going to be a first team All American, probably Big Twelve Player of the Year. Do you think they anticipated him having to do this much? Do you think he did? Did you? And we knew he was going to be the leader on the team. Do you think they he, they knew he was going to have to do this much for this team? Mm, maybe not in the preseason. I think in the preseason, self was pretty high on Kevin McCuller and thought he'd do more. Um, just scoring then he's yeah yeah um but i think by or pretty early on i think the i, I think a self sat at home and watched he probably realized okay this dude's gonna have to do a lot what's impressed you most about this season whether it's from a growth aspect or just what you see on the court when you watch him night to night what stands out to you the most for for Jalen or the team for Jalen. um I'd say just his ability to when defenses are just geared to stop him finding a way to still get shots and, and, and make some, some big timely shots Um, like some of the shots he made against Kentucky Um, and just his confidence is his like, you know, he's, he shot the ball pretty poorly from three early on. I want to say, right? Mm-hmm. When he when he struggling from three early on? Well, he went three of seven and three of six the first two games, but like he was always seven against Duke. Um, you know, he had some some stinkers in there from shooting from long ball, but you know, he's up to thirty five over thirty five percent from three, thirty six four during conference. Um, so that's pretty good. And he's, but yeah, just I think it's the fact that like. Um, you know, you go back to like that Tennessee game where, where they just really, really made it hard for him to drive. Um, some teams have, have done that, you know, like, you know, look at last night, how much K state would cheat off guys to just 
getting getting away on those driving lanes. So he's he's still finding ways to to shoot, you know, to make baskets with his pull up and um I think just just his his variety of the way he's getting his buckets is is probably been the most impressive thing. And then he he's so I mean, the most impressive thing about his game is just how strong he is. And I think he's getting better even from the beginning of the season. He's getting better at finishing in close um where he's having to bounce off bodies and I felt like he got his shot blocked more early on and he's, and he hasn't been blocked as much lately. Do you see any path to uh, MJ rice getting a solidified role on this team? Because that is the one uh, enigma. And I don't mean that to be like too strong, but I can't figure out how this guy just, it feels like they want to play him more. It feels like there's Mm -hmm. maybe like this, Devil on There's one a shoulder. role there, like I know. Absolutely, there's a devil on on one shoulder and an angel on one shoulder. Joseph Yesifu, who isn't playing great, or yeah, um, I mean, last night self said he wasn't available because of his back. I don't know. Mm. Um, so he's got to get healthy. One, um, whatever that's about. I mean, it could. Re- I I don't know. Um, and. When he gets out there, like he's got to actually guard. He dudes are just blowing by him easy. He makes bad defensive mistakes on switches and stuff like like go to the Baylor game, watch some of that tape. Like there's just some bad mistakes that you can't have in a close game. So he's got to be playable on that end. Um, and it, I, he just like when I watched that dude in grassroots last summer or summer before um he had some explosion he just doesn't look as athletic when he gets out there now um and he you know he needs to get his lateral quickness better um but if i had to guess like i mean if 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 it doesn't change i'm i'm guessing he's he's out of there well it just doesn't everything we've talked about over the last 20 minutes or whatever uh, big guys, Ernest kind of figuring some stuff out, Dewan getting more confidence, Jalen being a national player of the year candidate. That's all great. But one thing I feel for with Dewan and Kevin is when they were going through those slumps together, the issue was that they were so important to this team defensively, and even when they weren't scoring, they're high IQ players. So they're, they have value no matter what. And on top of that, it's a net negative when you go to anybody on the bench. Whenever you try to give them mm-hmm. a rest for two minutes, whether it's Bobby, Joe, MJ, there is nobody to spell them. And I mm-hmm. feel like, I don't know who the answer is or what the answer is, but there has to be an answer if Kansas is going to sort of climb into that next rung of getting to March and all of a sudden being one yeah. of the four or five best teams in the country. That's why last night was such an important game for them. And it's one game, right? But um you had a stretch in the first half where Yesifu and Pettiford were out there together and they were playing pretty well. Um, then they, I mean, that was the best bench game they've had all year. Uday and, and, um, Clements both played pretty well. Pettiford was good. Um, Yesifu, I don't know that he was good, but they, they didn't, you know, suffer a ton when he was out there. Um, so that yeah, they they, they got to have you know a couple guys off the bench, and I I think the I'm I'm more um, optimistic about what what they got from the centers going forward. Like I think you know Ernest and Zach is 
that's enough. You don't need more than that, right? So if, if if they can be good, they just have to get at least one more guard playing decent. And I thought that would be Bobby early on, um, and he played better last night. But you know he hadn't been very good lately. Um, so yeah, they they and so there there's it's wide open for like a, another guard to emerge. I think in an ideal world, you know, uh, MJ Rice would look more like he looked in high school, but. Um, you know, for whatever reason, it's not working. It's, it's hard. It's really hard to be in his position and go out there when you know you're you're just trying to survive, stay on the floor, and you've always been a star. Like that's such a hard transition to make. Um, we just had a story in the athletic today about Bryce Hopkins, who had injuries early on last year at Kentucky. You know, was never able to really work into the rotation. And he barely played. And like, he wasn't a guy we ranked super, super high on the transfer re- portal rankings. Like, we had him, we had him fairly high, but not like top 10. And, um, you know, he's all Big East level player this year. Like, just got his opportunity and his, his crushing. That might be MJ Rice in a year. It might be MJ Rice at Kansas if he stays. Like, he might be really, really good next year, but he's in a tough spot this year. CJ, you're one of my favorite guys to talk to, one of my favorite guys to read. So, It's uh, always a pleasure. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, thanks Thanks, for coming on, man. Appreciate you. What a guy, C.J. Moore. Again, check out his work at theathletic.com. It's a very reasonable subscription, and if you're somebody who likes high-quality sports journalism, I don't know if there's anywhere, if there's another publication out there that's producing it on as consistent of a level as The Athletic is. And C.J., is, I mean, one of my favorite college basketball writers. I truly think he's one of the best out there doing it right now. So if you want to check out his work, I would highly suggest that he just wrote a recap of KU's win over Kansas State. You heard us talking about it there with Dewan Harris and uh, what he means for this team's future and their ceiling the rest of the way. All right, so I hope to have another episode to you. I am heading down to Phoenix, going to be covering the Super Bowl with my guys on 610 Sports Radio. So hopefully I'll have another episode for you next week. I apologize for the brevity, but until football season wraps up, uh, we may be a little bit shorter on the episodes and then really ramp it up here coming up in about two weeks or so. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review. I thank you so much for your time. Enjoy your week. We'll talk to you next time.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 